I do want us to look at Luke chapter uh, 20 and 21 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Jesus is taking one parting shot at the scribes uh, before uh, we move on in our text. And he has some um, very strong words uh, concerning the scribes. And so let's look at verses 45 through 47 first. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feast, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. Jesus is fed up with the scribes, and uh, he's using them as a visible example uh, before we head to chapter 21. And he tells his disciples in verse 45, guys, don't be like those religious leaders. Those religious leaders are just full of themselves. They're full of pride. They're full, they, they love to take advantage of the vulnerable and they love to parade their religion. And Jesus is telling his followers, if you're going to be followers of me, this is not the lifestyle you are to portray. And these religious, religious leaders, they were in it for themselves. I mean, they loved the accolades. People loved to give them attention. And that attention went to their heads. And they looked down on the people they were supposed to be serving. And instead of serving others, they were wanting to be served. And instead of ministering to the widows, they were taking advantage of the widows. And Jesus tells his disciples, don't be like those people. Now, there's a lot more I could share in, in that uh, particular passage of scripture. But uh, in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, this is what God expects of his followers. Micah 6, 8 says, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. These scribes were the exact opposite. They loved the best seats. And before Jesus was going to take the worst seat, the worst seat being suffering and crucifixion and death for our salvation. Before he took that seat, he turned our attention, he turned the disciples' attention to a humble giver in chapter 21. And so let's look at the first four verses. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. 
And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Jesus pointed their attention to the poor, humble widow. She is, she is the mirror opposite of the scribes. And, uh, in this passage of scripture, there's some things that uh, Jesus would have us learn because of her humble giving back to the Lord. So th- through these next few points, I-, I just want them to be kind of a soul searching for all of us. What would God have us learn when it comes to giving back to him? The first thing that I believe Jesus would have us learn this morning from this this humble widow is that the posture of our heart makes all the difference. The posture of our heart makes all the difference. How do you give back to the Lord's work? How do you give back to him? Is it something that you have to do? You know, one thing that we have to do is, is we've got to pay the IRS, don't we? I mean, we don't enjoy paying the IRS, but uh, we have to write those checks to the IRS. You know what? The IRS could care less what you think about writing your check back to them. All they're concerned about is the bottom line. You owe this and pay up, buddy. But when it comes to writing a check back to the Lord, God cares about the posture of our heart. The Bible says that Jesus was watching. Now this this poor widow, she didn't know Jesus was watching her. She knew God was watching her and she humbly came to the Lord's house and she gave back to him. But Jesus saw and Jesus saw her posture, her generosity in her poverty, and he made much of it. Folks, when we give back to the Lord, Jesus wants us to know that he's watching us. You know, we're going to take an offering at the conclusion of our service. You know, how would you like it if uh, when the ushers came and they were passing the plate down the aisle, I was going down the aisle with them, and I was watching what you were putting in the offering plate. Would you be very happy about that? Probably not, and I wouldn't do that to you. (laughs) But you know what? Jesus is watching. And he cares about our heart. He, He cares about how we give it. Now, some of you in our church, um, you've automated your giving. Uh, you use PayPal or you use bill pay, and you don't come to church with a check. I mean, it's automatically deducted from your bank account each month, and that's okay. I want to I say thank you for uh, automa- automating your giving. 
that's what our society is going to. And so we provide you that opportunity. But let me just encourage you, when the offering plate goes by at the conclusion of your the service and you're not putting anything in, just pause for a minute and say, thank you, God, that I have had the opportunity to give. And make that a posture of worship. Uh, the giving, the offering is one of the most intimate things you can do in a worship service because that's between you and God. And Jesus is concerned about your heart. Not only to, is our posture important, but uh, giving that pleases God is giving that costs us. Giving that costs us. Jesus was watching. And many of the people who were giving were giving out of their abundance. They weren't missing that. Their lifestyle wasn't any different from their giving. But for the poor, the poor widow, humble widow, the Bible says it cost her everything. She gave two coins, probably the equivalent of two pennies in our day today. It's all she get, she had, and she gave it all. It cost her. And Jesus saw. My friend, if you're giving to the Lord's work, but it's not costing you, you're not having to put off something that uh, you might need, whether it be a car or clothing or a vacation. If in your giving you're still all able, if you're you're able to do all those things, just like everybody else who doesn't give anything to the Lord's work, maybe you're just giving out of your abundance. Jesus says our giving ought to cost us. I like what C.S. Lewis said in uh, Mere Christianity. He said this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure or comfort on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as ours, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. It doesn't mean that you can't do those things forever, but it's going to take you a little bit longer for you to save those things up in order to do. Our giving ought to cost us. And, and you know, one of the ways it might help us to cost us is take the example from the New Testament church. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, 
The Bible says that the, the early church came together on the first day of the week to collect the offering. I think there's an example, a truth there for us. When it comes to our give, giving, church, we need to give of our first fruits. The first, fr- the first check we ought to, to write when it comes to our bills is to the Lord's work. And if it comes off the top, then guess what? We're going to be more disciplined to spend what's rest, what, what's left. But for some people, they wait until the end and whatever's left, then they'll consider giving to God. That's, that's the total opposite. Let's learn from the example of the early church and let's give of the Lord and make that the first priority rather than the leftovers. Another truth we can learn from the giving of this poor, humble widow is that God can do great things with tiny offerings. He can do great things with tiny offerings. She gave, she gave two pennies. I mean, that was nothing compared to what others were giving out of their abundance. But Jesus says in verse four, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Verse 3, I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. How can that be so? I want you to think that Jesus saw what this woman gave. She didn't know Jesus was watching. She didn't know that what she was doing was going to be recorded in Scripture. But Luke records her obedience. And for the last 2,000 years... Millions, billions of Christians who have lived over those 2,000 years have been inspired by her story. And how many have, have sacrificed more because of her example? And if you add up all those who have, who have been inspired by her example, my friends, it's, it's Far more, it's multiplied by billions compared to what was given on that Passover week. God can do amazing things with a tiny offering. It's not the amount that you give. It's the posture in which you give it with your heart. And that brings us to the next observation. No one is too poor to give. No one is too poor to give. It's not the amount. It's the participation. Think about this for a moment. She only had two coins. What if she decided... God doesn't care about this amount. And I'm just going to walk by this this offering opportunity. I'm just going to keep this because this is nothing to God. Had she had that attitude, she would have been the loser. 
Because she obeyed, Jesus saw, and Jesus kept record, and he had it recorded in Scripture. And how many people have been blessed by her simple, humble act of obedience? No offering is too little. And God wants all of us to participate. And my exhortation to you this morning is, are you participating? Don't think, well, my, what I have to give, it's not going to be missed, Pastor. No. That was not the mentality of this poor, humble widow. And look what God has done with that tiny offering for the last 2,000 years. God sees your heart. And he wants you to come to him with a grateful and thankful and obedient attitude and give back to him. See what he will do through your obedience. No offering is too small. And that brings us to the last observation. At the judgment, Christ will square his accounts. I want you to think about what she's given. She's in heaven now. The judgment is yet to take place. She hasn't fully received her reward yet. And in fact, her simple act of obedience, that she didn't know Jesus was watching and was recorded, that simple act has blessed millions upon millions of Christians over these last 2,000 years. Her good works still continue. The reason why we don't experience the the Bema judgment where we're going to receive the rewards of of our works, the reason why that doesn't happen until the end of time is because when we're long gone in our faithfulness to the next generation that's passed to the next generation, guess what? We are still reaping the rewards of that faithfulness. That poor, humble widow, in that simple act, her good works the fruit of her righteousness is being passed on from generation to generation to generation to where we are today. And some of you are being inspired by her act of uh, humble obedience. And you know the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart and you know you need to do better or you need to begin. Guess what? That is the fruit. Your act of obedience is the fruit of her obedience. And she is yet to get a reward for that. And your act of obedience, God will use in generations that are behind you. 
God is going to square all accounts at the end of time. These are the lessons Jesus would have us learn today. Jesus was so impressed by this humble, poor widow because she was all in. She gave her everything. And Jesus was all in. He gave his everything. He took the worst seat possible. The seat of death, of suffering and death and crucifixion for our salvation. We have much to be grateful for. And that should show up, church, in what we give back to him through tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Are you prepared to give this morning? If not, that's okay. But let this message this morning encourage you to do your very best. Don't wait to give until you look at what's left over. Start with your first fruits. Make it a priority of your life. And then help him, ask him to help you be disciplined in how to spend the rest wisely. Father, I thank you for the example of this humble poor widow who had no idea no earthly idea that we would be talking about her this morning. And God, she may be in heaven today and she has no clue as to what's coming to her at the final judgment. And the same can be said for us. We don't know what you see. God, we don't keep track. Nor would you have us keep track. You just want us to trust you. You want us to come to this house of worship and humbly and gratefully give back to you. Jesus, I thank you that you see it all. Help us to give with the right posture. Help us to give sacrificially. Ask the Lord to help you in your stewardship this morning. for this time of worship, Father. 
you be glorified. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please?